What's good, everybody? Yanni Blue here, welcoming you to another episode of Bigger Than Our Dreams. Each week, myself and Amir tackle discussions around body image, sexuality, and how we interpret signals from society that can invalidate our dreams. If you'd like to support us, you can head over to YanniBlue.com or AmirStayFly.com to listen to music, purchase merch, and learn more about us. If you'd like to send us any questions, or if you want to be a guest on a future episode, you can shoot us an email at BiggerThanOurDreams at gmail.com. That's bigger with two eyes. As always, we want to thank you for joining us. Continue to dream big and enjoy the episode. Okay, okay. Ladies and gents, uh, guys and gals, queers and here's um, this is Yon Blue and Amir and welcome to our first, our second installment of Bigger Than Our Dreams, which is our uh, discussion series based around our single Can't Compete, uh, which drops this Friday. Well, by the time this comes out, Can't Compete will be out. So please go stream that. Um, and I am yes. super honored today to have one of my favorite artists. Uh, I wrote up a little bio because I'm trying to be professional. Um, today's <laughs> guest is a Baltimore-based rapper and actor with such notable boppity bops as Stop My Bag and Pull Up. Um, Favorites. Star of the film Ferb, which is in Sundance, and the YouTube channel Secretary of Shade. Burr, 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 burr. It's DDM. Icon. Oh. Icon. <laughs> yeah. Literal legend. Literal, Literal. legend. <laughs> oh, thanks, y'all. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Um, it is interesting. I might have a little splodazzle with COVID. We get ready to find out. But oh, you shit. Know, um, you know, Miss Mom is his back, so it's just giving a slight sniff. Um, but um, somebody, you know, I got one of the little exposure, you know, text messages that the government sends you. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I got I to gotta find out. But it is what it is. How y'all doing? I'm doing good. I feel that's terrible. Well, at least you're vaccinated, so that that's good. But yeah, I'm I'm feeling good. That I'm not happy about the COVID things though. Uh, I'm ready for her to go. She she's gonna be with us for forever. We we signed the papers, and she's pretty much a part of life. So I ain't tripping. That, uh, that bitch ain't going nowhere. She up there. Nowhere. Here. None. <laughs> she moved in. She moved in to stay. Yeah. Real, real quick, so I know, because I'm doing my research, I'm trying to be a professional, because I, I know you're you're a professional, you've interviewed Omarosa and a bunch of people, so I was trying to get my, my interview on, my research on beforehand, and I found out, because I refer to you in my head as legend, icon, you don't actually fuck with those titles too tough. I heard that on the on the uh, Meatball podcast. <laughs> um, you know, here's the thing. Um, <laughs> I am thankful that people recognize my body of work. Mm -hmm. um, because that's what it's all about, right? But I feel like there's so much still left to do. Um, and, you know, sometimes because the industry that we're in is a very age industry, it's a very beauty-based industry. Um, and sometimes those words, legend and icon and all that, while they're nice, sometimes they're used to put a label on the girls. And, yeah. um, mm. you know, mm. I, I, I want, want the girls to very much know that, you know, he is still active, he is still here, mm. and he is still strapped. He is yes! Still 
threat. Um, yes. So don't, don't play with me. But no. Let them know. Let them know. I love that. I love that. I love that. We got to come up with a better word for us to, to share amongst each other. When we want to big each other up without without digging into these, like, uh, especially since words like legend and icon are kind of, pop culture's kind of ruined them anyway. Like Ariana yeah. Grande is a legend for some people. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, nah, I don't know. So we got, we got to come up with something between us that we could just call each other. Yeah. We need, we need something. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll marinate yes. on that. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of legends though, um, so we have, a really fun icebreaker that we prepared um, yes. based on a legend. Amir, would you like to lead us in that? Absolutely. So I hear that you are a fan of the iconic, see the she, she icon, icon, <laughs> Diana yes, Ross. Icon. Yes. yes. So yes. what, yes. So which Diana Ross song best describes your mood today? Um, It's not a Diana song, but it's a Supreme song, but it might as well be a Diana song. Um, love is like an itching in my heart. Mm, I uh, heard that school, one. School, school us. Um, it's a Supremes record. Love is like an itching in my heart. Tearing all apart. Just an itching in my heart. And baby, I can't <laughs> scratch it. Do, 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 do. Keeps yes. me singing. Keeps me singing. I saw Diana Ross live twice. So oh, man. I, I am a, I'm a huge fan. Um, I have her tatted on me. I actually have um, Grace Jones and Ooh. Diana Ross tattooed oh, yes. on me. Yes. Um, so, yes. you know, that's that's probably where I'm at right now. You know, it's fall and um, I've been single for, I'm going to say 14 years, going on 15. It'll be 15 in 2023. Um, so um, I'm at that place where I'm kind of ready. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. For some reason. You out east, so it's giving cuffing weather. Yes. Cuffing season. Is, yes. Very, very much chilly. Um, next week it'll be in the twenties um for the low. Um so it's like the switch because we were actually in the seventies last week. And then it's like the weather said, Oh bitch, it's November. Turn on the heat. Mm-hmm. And now it's giving cold. Mm-hmm. I don't miss none of that. <laughs> I got the hell up out of New York right on time. You surely did. <laughs> I was I was not trying to fuck around, and I was not trying he to find out. Trying to, he was not trying to find out. He was not trying Man. to find out. So right, Johnny, what, what Diana Ross song you feel like today? <laughs> Look, I, I am I am I am ignorant to the Queen. Um, but there was I think I I don't know there was one that I really liked. Um, it's a ballad. I'm not gonna remember the name now. Uh, Touch me in the morning. No, uh, missing you. Is it called missing you? Oh, I'm missing you. Oh, I'm missing you. Okay, yeah. That one gives me like a, that's the one for me today. Okay. Oh, yep. Maybe that's all offline discussion. Right. <laughs> what about you, Amir? You feel you feeling any uh the boss Miss Ross songs today? T- today is giving theme to mahogany. Do you know yes! it's giving that today? Yeah. Yeah. That just gives... some shit out. That's the energy. Yes. Yes. Mahogany poolside. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I think, you know, it's cool. I'm glad that you that you mentioned Diana Ross because I think we're talking about icons and legends. So so many young people know the influence, but don't really know the catalog, know the actual body of work. So it's cool to be an artist that's still active, that makes music that is very accessible and that is very current, but that that's one of your references because we know that you are big on fashion and style. And I'm sure that those influences come up there, especially. Oh, big time. Yeah. You know, 
I, I love a sequin. I love a feather. You know how to throw it together. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yes, yes, yes. I love yes. all of that. I right, let's dive right into it. You know, I know you've been interviewed a million times, but for this pod, we are specifically, you know, we wanted to focus on plus size men, especially men of color, and talk about our shared experiences navigating the entertainment industry. Um, and just the different signals that we get from the world that invalidate our dreams or that force us to shrink our dreams. And I know that you've been rapping for a long time. I know that you you came out during a battle rap in 2010 or 2011, was it? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, so, you, so, so a bit of a trailblazer as far as like just kind of getting ahead of the curve of everybody coming out when it was cool. You know, it was authentic for you. It was real. So I want to know for you, during your journey, do you remember a time before your dreams were invalidated in that way, or you felt too big for your dreams? Um, that's always the case. Um, even though he doesn't, for him, it was Tuesday. And I, I don't want to make him seem like a bad person, but my stepfather, um, he said something to me, um, and this was in the very beginning stages when I had just started going to ciphers and things like that. Um, and he said, you know, I was always a heavier guy. I, I'm like the Luther Vandross of rap. If you ask me, I'd have been up, down, up, <laughs> down. And this was at a time when I was um, at one of my heaviest stages. And he said, you know, I look at your competition. I look at, you know, the people that are out right now, like 50 Cent. And, you know, those guys are like built. Those guys are like, you know, it's a certain look. And he was basically telling me so many words, like you don't have the look for um for for it and um at that time he may have been right you know um but i know that this was something that i really wanted to do and um i think part of it was him not wanting me to be disappointed if i didn't get where i wanted to go and things like that um weight is a constant struggle for me, it's something that I deal with. I'm constantly looking in the mirror. I'm constantly checking my face. I, I grade my weight by how fat my face is. So if I feel like my face is too, like even right now, like I'm looking in the zoom and I'm like, oh, after I finish this, I have to go work out and I have to do all water and greens because uh, for the rest of the week because I look too puffy. So those are things that um, that kind of stick with me. Wow. How did that shape how you pursued your dream? Do you feel like it made you go harder? Did you retreat? Um, it actually made me um look throughout history. Um, anybody who follows me, my work or, you know, on social media and things like that, um I reference history for my fashion aesthetics and for how I present myself. So whether it's pop culture history, whether it's world history, um, I sit in a lot of museums and things like that. So I use history to reference how to dress um, and present myself. I was also a photographer's assistant for about three to four years. So I got a chance to understand. I, I think those years were my schooling and how to present myself, the angles, what worked yeah. best for me, how to present, you know, certain things. If you're a little fluffy and a little puffy and you don't like that, you may want to go with a beauty shot for this particular project, things like that. So um, if anything, it made me more inventive and it made me dive deeper into how 
I would present uh, myself to the world. I could definitely tell how um, well studied you are when it comes to fashion and art, just from watching the um, the Stop My Bag video. And that was a video that I wish that 15-year-old Amir had because I saw so much of myself in you and like just the flair and like the references and like everything down to the detail was just like Mwah! chef's kiss, you know? And yeah. um it just made me want to step my motherfucking cookies up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I you so that. much. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, that's not my bad video. Can you believe we shot that video in eight hours? Wow. Oh, oh, so y'all had y'all had that. What was, what was the process like of like shooting that video? Not to go too off script, but what was the process of like oh, no. that eight hour day? Yeah. Um, I'm a, time is money. And mm -hmm. what people don't understand is I financed all of that from the paying the director, paying for the rental of the, the mansion, paying for the costumes and putting those together. I paid for all that. That came from my money. And so when you have to spend your money, it's together. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so when mm. we got on set, the um, storyboard was already mapped out. I had worked with the um, director, Nick Gorey, on He Say, She Say, so we already had a flow. And um, I knew what we needed to do also, too, working as a photographer's assistant and being behind the camera. I know what's going to take long and what's achievable and what's not. So that helped me a lot. I could imagine, I, I, I could imagine that call sheet was itemized because... Johnny will tell you that's how I roll too. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, um, because I, I I do art direction photography myself. So it's like when it's your own project and it's your baby, it's it's I mean, let me know if you felt the same way. Does it did it feel like an extra extra added layer of pressure for yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. Because if it doesn't look right or if it's bad, you can't go back and blame the stylist. You can't go back and blame the director. This mm -hmm. is your Mm hmm. You know, it was actually a dance sequence in that video that I actually cut. Mm. We, we, shot, um, we shot that dance sequence the day before at night in the skate park in Hampton here in Baltimore. And I just, this goes back to presentation. It wasn't that it was bad. Number, it wasn't bad. It thematically it didn't fit with the visual. Mm. So uh, that's a lesson learned. But more importantly, I didn't like the way that I looked. And when you don't mm. like the way that you look, um, I wasn't as confident in that look as I was in the others. And um, I just refused to show that to the world. That's fair. I know, you know what I, that I, feels I, like. Right. I was going to yeah. say I admire both of you in that way so much because what attracted me to both of your work separately was the fact that, and now I'm realizing you both come like from photography backgrounds, so it makes sense. You guys understand how you want to look. And um, Amir's work, I initially met him at Street Carroll, which is uh, his photography. And he just photographed big bodies in such a beautiful way and photographed himself in such a beautiful way. And I was like, yeah. I'd want him to shoot me. Same thing when I first saw your work and heard your music. I was like, when I when I went to see you perform at Precinct this year, I was like, damn, I never thought about getting on stage. But seeing you getting up there and not shrinking in your body and just being mm -hmm. present and just fucking commanding that stage, I was like, oh, these motherfuckers know. Like you, you're, 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 you know, your space, you you know, it's just like, we like, cause for me, my experience was I kind of shrunk. So to see men who kind of understand the space they take up and own it is so inspiring. So kudos to both of y'all for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so on, on the topic of 
you know, pulling looks, you said you're a big history buff and everything. Um, during that period of trying to figure out, you know, just trying to, I guess, reclaim yourself or figure out who you are, who were some of the heroes that stood out to you? Um, believe it or not, you know, you have to find now, I'm happy that the kids now will get to see a more diverse um, representation of the options. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, like most people, I saw Elton John. I yes. saw, you know, of course, Freddie Mercury. But those aren't real, you know, I like Sylvester, but I didn't model my, my career after Sylvester because even though Sylvester is um, truly um, one of the alphas of what we do, um, I didn't quite see myself in Sylvester, which is going to sound very crazy being um, a Black man in this country, but I just didn't. I saw myself in, um, in Elton primarily because Elton was not the best looking man, right. which made him have to figure out how that was going to work for him. Right. Um, when I look at, you know, um, David Bowie, David Bowie is, some will call him beautiful. I think mm -hmm. he's a beautiful person, but he's not classically beautiful. Right. So I always looked at people like that. And once again, I always looked at historical figures. Um, so a lot of, um, as far as how the dressing is done, comes from like people like Marcus Garvey. It comes from yes. uh, ancient Kemet. It comes from um, ancient Greece, 16th century, 15th century um, Italian paintings and portraiture. Um, also Barry White. <laughs> which okay. A mixture, but those are the people that I, I really tend to look at when it comes to how I reference those things. That's beautiful. I think we might have. I just texted him. Um, but my phone is on silent. All right, we'll, we'll catch. We'll get him back in. He'll pop in momentarily. Um, but so when finding like as on your journey and, and connecting with those people, do you feel like you found them? Oh, he's back. Yeah, I'm back. Welcome back, friend. Yeah, my camera <laughs> battery silently died. Uh -huh. It's fine. All good. Uh, we were in the middle of, of talking about uh, some of DDM's <laughs> references. So I was going to ask you, just in did you find them, you know, just by mistake or was it intentional? Were you like really looking for like, I need to find myself and, and you kind of connected with those people? Um, well, with Barry White, I just always thought that Barry White was grand. Um, and even though he's very much a straight man, you know, from the streets, you know, kind of aesthetic. Mm -hmm. um, I like that he was not a pretty man, quote unquote, right. but he was a handsome man. Everything mm -hmm. he figured it out because I never viewed myself as like this, you know, bombshell and this incredibly handsome man. So I always tended to be more, inc more ilt with that those type of figures. I think that's why I like Missy Elliott, although I think she's a beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. um, society, in some cases, might say otherwise. Right. Um, so. When I look at people like that, when I look at Marcus Garvey, when I look at ancient Comets, when I look at those uh, 15th and 16th century Italian paintings, it, 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 I knew that what I was selling and what I am ultimately selling is an attitude. It's not a look. It's an attitude mm -hmm. that 
the look helps enhance the attitude, but I'm selling the attitude and I tend to come across a lot more regal um, mm-hmm. than pretty. So um, that's how I've always championed my looks. I love that because you, you're basically talking about pushing back against mainstream aesthetics. And it's something that I know Amir is, is really passionate about and has educated me on even more during our collaborations, just how some things, you know, it's not enough just to have like a body positive movement. It's like, no, show real, yeah. real shape, show, show real, real faces, shape. show like, real men, like not just conventionally attractive ones. So I love and that. And even the term um, of body positivity has been so co-opted by, you know, by the whites. So, and in, in, in corporate America, and for me, I had to pivot, and I'm more so identify as like a fat liberation activist because you can't take um body positivity to the government and try to affect like change and how like fat people are treated from how we're treated, you know, by our doctors, you know, like we uh, we've I'm sure we've all been through shit where people just the doctor will just look at you and assume that you have shit just based off of your appearance without even really fully checking your records, you know, or they might miss something that that's there because they're just worried on based on your appearance, you know, what they, what they see healthy looks like, you know, and Mm -hmm. we, when we get down to the reality, not to go too far off the grid, but how that body, body mass index was set up, studied only on, you know, white men, you know, um, and that's a whole nother topic we could go deep into, but not today, (laughs) but, um, all this shit is, is 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 fucked up, and um, body positivity has been so commodified now. Where like I feel in the space that we're all in is more so rooted in fat liberation because we're actually trying to change. It's not about acceptance. It's like, bitch, we're here. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to accept me. Like I'm taking up space whether you accept me or not. Right. Listen, I love that. I love that. And and when when DDM, when you talk about, you know, your creative journey, the 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 visual aesthetic and everything, it's obvious that you have gone through the process of, I don't know if healing is the right word, but really letting yourself live in who you are and figure out what works for you, what makes sense for you. Um, and you kind of explain that through the influences and stuff, but can you give us a little bit more of an idea of like how you really reclaimed your body and your dreams? Was it through that experience of figuring out the image or was there something else external going on? I think um, I have gained an understanding of what it is I am and what it is I ain't. Um, Mm. And I think in accepting that, it has helped me propel what is great about what I am. Mm. and kind of um, manage what I ate, if that makes sense. That Um, makes total sense. I think um, to say that I'm just totally at peace would be a lie. I don't believe in lying. Um, But I do think that I have figured out how to make me work for me yeah hey that's that's it that's really that's really the fucking journey yeah Yeah. that's really the 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 middle point you know like it's it's making you work for you you know what i mean and um i I fully identify with that that really kind of hit me (laughs) (laughs) oprah would call that an aha moment aha moment (laughs) absolutely (laughs) 
Do you think, um, because we kind of lump a lot of, I kind of lump a lot of things together, but uh, for you, does your journey with accepting your body, does it mirror your journey with uh, accepting your sexuality as well? Or are they different? Well, you know, here's the thing, which is interesting. Um, I would love, well, I'm not going to say I would love. I didn't have this um, tumultuous battle with my sexuality and my and what I like physically, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't have that. Um, once I realized that I liked it, that was pretty much it. You know, it was like Same. this is this is what I like. Um, and I didn't mean to get too vulgar, but we have a shot. Talk. Please <laughs> take us there. <laughs> I is, like this. You can cuss here. <laughs> Shit. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> once I realized that that was what I liked. Um, I didn't have a problem with it. I think um, what I am so thankful for is that a lot of the issues I have with my sexuality is not the, the fact that I like men. It's not that I love the company of um, male energy in the sexual capacity. I love that I have the struggle I have my sexuality is that I like men. And sometimes I feel like men ain't shit. And that's really the issue. <laughs> It's really, it's not the physical part. I am fine when it comes to that, honey. I accepted that probably um, when I was, like, first coming out. But what has been hard, like, when I say I've been single for 14 years, going on 15, I struggle with the art of dating, the art of that interaction, because... Once I, before I came to grips with who I am and accepted that, um, I just didn't do anything. So a lot of, when when it comes to culture, I don't know what, I didn't date in high school because I knew I didn't like girls and I didn't want to put girls through that, but I grew up in Baltimore City, West Baltimore City. So who's going to have that real conversation? Um, I was very undeveloped in, social interaction when it came to romance and dating and courting in general. So my issue is a development one. It's not a sexual one. And I received that mm. um, as far as, which is why I've, I've only had one boyfriend ever in my life. And that was back in 2008. It lasted nine months and it ended very bad. And I just didn't want to go back to that uh, for a long time. So some people take longer time. As far as, you know, my physical looks, I, that is something that I still struggle with. Um, I, I am very appreciative when a person does find me attractive or does find me handsome. But the double-edged sword to being so cultured and so um, knowledgeable of fashion and beauty standards is that you're knowledgeable of fashion and beauty standards. And Mm -hmm. I know that I do not fit, even within the microcosm of gay culture, I am not the person you're going to pick for the commercial. I am not the person that you're going to pick for the little ads on Jacked and Growler. I'm not that person. Um, and that is the real struggle of having to figure out where you fit in this world. Mm. Woo! Right. I think you're so deep. I'm sorry, y'all. No, I, I that, we love that's you for this. everything 
everything. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'm like, I, I feel hot. I, what does Beyonce say? I feel hot. <laughs> no, I, re I received that in such a big way. I mean, that's literally the whole reason why we started this series and this conversation because uh, Tariq and I, I mean, well, Amir and I met the same way you and I met doing a remix. And yeah. um, he's an incredible photographer is how I met him. Uh, found out he was an incredible producer, found out he was an incredible rapper. And I had to pull all of this stuff out of him because he kept kind of giving me little like, oh, I just do. And when I found out just how much we had in common, how much, um, how well we collaborated, we started on this journey of making this project and realizing that we had a lot of the same shared experience of just kind yeah. of feeling small, feeling like, let me shift myself behind the scenes. And there's so much layers to that as men, you know, yeah. we have to act, we have to maneuver a certain way as black men, as queer men as plus size men, it's like it's so many layers to the point where it's just like, by the time you get under all of that shit, you're like, there's a lot, there's a lot wrong down here. How do I even start to fix this? There's a lot. <laughs> and to circle back to what you said, um, DDM, about um, understanding um, aesthetics when it comes to like fashion, you know, and for me being a fashion photographer for 13 years, it's like I was a part of the system. So I know all of that shit. So never in my wildest dreams that I think I could be out here, be a rapper, be seen visually, you know, as desirable for the longest time. It took me a while to to get to that point where I could see myself as desirable. And that's still very much a struggle for me as well. So um what what are some ways where you where you feel where are some ways that you kind of push against the grain and push against these standards and like stand out and take up space because like even in these algorithms, you know what I mean? You see what gets highlighted in the algorithms. But I'm also going to circle back that some of us could be a part of the problem too because we need to really make an effort to like other plus creators so they can show up on the Explore page. That's another yeah. discussion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but what are some ways that you that you stand out um, or what are some efforts that you take to stand out against, against all this shit? Well, you know, it's interesting because... I'm working on a project now. Um, it's more, it's a film project, film and TV project. And my biggest thing is I like to put people like myself in all American classic situations. Mm. Um, when I look at the, how black people have changed as far as how, how, how the view of black people in media, as far as television or film change, when I look at shows like The Cosby Show, when I look at shows like A Different World, when I look at shows like Family Matters, um, Living Single, those are all American classic high concept shows. Mm -hmm. And I feel like putting someone like me or someone like yourself in those situations Mm -hmm. forces America to see those types of people mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. because it's like oh there's this fat black man and he has a child and a husband and they live in a nice house and you know oh the dishwasher's going up what are we going to do on the next episode like those are the things that um, I think are truly rebellious Absolutely. Um, yes. Absolutely. there was a time where and I love high fashion, high art. Um, but I think also high fashion, high art can be a place that is used to subjugate and to hide um, people like me because that is a place where, oh, 
it's high fashion. It's high art. Um, it's expected, but it's not expected and it's acceptable. We can hide that here. Um, you could see um, a plus size DDM in a Vogue Italia, you know, avant-garde back of the magazine spray. Can mm-hmm. you see him on the cover of all American, American Vogue home issue? Right. Yeah. 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 That's the rebellion. That's the rebel. That's the rebellion. And um, you know, just from my own personal experience, um, dealing and working with publications, I I think because um, body positivity is so commodifiable now, I see a lot of fashion magazines that are trying to take steps to be more inclusive, but they're not putting us in clothes. If you understand what I'm saying, and 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 that's some pure bullshit. You know, they, they love to, they love to have us out here naked showing the strength and that's, and that's beautiful. Like it mm-hmm. is beautiful, but like, we're more than just that. Give us clothes, yeah. you know, and give, give us, us a team that, that give us a team that looks like us, that know how to shoot us, that know how to style us, that know the mm-hmm. struggle. Mm-hmm. Cause that, it, the issues you. behind the scenes too. I can't tell you how many times, like. I, one one thing I do appreciate about my experience is I learned how to do everybody's job. I learned how to do the photographer's job. I learned how to do the stylist's job. I learned how to do the makeup artist's job. I learned how to do the hairstylist's job. I learned how to do the graphic designer's job. Because um, if I didn't, I would not be a true reflection of who I am. Mm-hmm. Case in point, we look at that Stop My Bag video. Had I asked a stylist who was used to to dressing most of the Hollywood standard sizes, I would have gotten none of what I got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to figure it out like that hairdress with the um, the sixteenth uh, century um, Viking collar. That is a cousin it costume that I sliced the arms off of. Um, kind of mm-hmm. rushed out and 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 did it like that. I got that for that that look cost total. I want to say seventy dollars. Wow, that's um, what you have to do, though. Yeah, that's that's the reality of it because yeah. innovation, innovation. Because the reality is, like, as much as you know, as much as love has been championing for change, like there hasn't been as much change as people think think it is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like a lot of these brands, they'll think, you know, body positivity is like throwing in a racially ambiguous guy with a hairy chest who's a 2X and have them who's bearded and have them be the head of a campaign. You know what I mean? Like we're being inclusive where the reality is like, I can't, I could barely go and buy shit. So it, it kind of forces you to be more creative, which even takes back to Missy Elliott. I'm so- sure she had to make some of those outfits or she yeah. got people to make them because it's not as accessible for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she wore a garbage bag. That tells us She a lot. wore a garbage bag. Ate that shit up too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ate it yep. up. No, it's true. Yeah. It, it, really is, it really is important. And I think this is, again, why I think what we're doing is so important because to your point, Amir, like you don't see us uplifting each other. So it's like, how do you expect somebody else to do it? You know, and yeah. I, can, I can speak, speaking from a, a place of privilege, being having more access to the industry or, or having maneuvered it, being more uh, cis passing and being more conventional in my in my career. It, it, I got to a certain point and I still felt alone because I looked around and nobody looked like me. Nobody understood me. 
So it has been really important for me to take a step back and be like, you know what, I can only thrive if I have a community that's thriving with me. Mm-hmm. And I have and I uplift people. And again, meeting both of you has been a product of and, that. Uh, hopefully these conversations will be an extra extension just to highlight what we go through our journey to create more kindness and to create more community, because I think that we are all fire creatives. And Amir said this uh, on our last discussion, just talking about because of our adversity, we have to be 10 times better. And we are like, I think DDM is one of the best lyricists. Absolutely. Heard your ear for, for production, your ear for, for styling. Incredible, Amir, same. So to, to be in, in fellowship with y'all is huge for me. So I, I'm very honored. Thank you. Thank you. And likewise, it's a, it's, it's a grind. Um, it is interesting, I think, um, having these conversations. And I'm, I'm in a period of severe self-reflection right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I am, I'm at that stage in life where, you know, a lot of my friends are getting married or are married to having children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose this life while some of them envy this life of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had uh, my old bandmate. I used to play in a band uh, with my, my dear friend, Paul. And um, he brought his daughter over to the house last weekend to my new apartment. And, um, you know, it was interesting to talk to him and see two different perspectives of, I don't want to say envy, but regret. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say that he regrets his child because he does, and I think he loves his child and his wife very much so. But, you know, he's looking at me who have continued on in, on this path. And then I'm looking at him. He's a homeowner, has a beautiful kid, beautiful wife. Um, and I go home alone every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I come and go as I choose. Right. So it's a yin and a yang. It's a give and a take of what you get out of child. I'm slightly going through a little bit, but you know, whatever. No, but I, I love that. I admire that honesty and I appreciate that because I think we're all, we're all grown ass men. We're not no spring chickens. And I think we're all in the age of deep self-reflection, deep, like just trying to figure out what's next. What am I doing? Were these sacrifices worth it? And that's actually a great segue to like the kind of our final question. And like the the theme of the show is dream big in this stage of transition for you. What is the larger dream right now? What is the thing that you're really aspiring for? Right now, um, I'm shifting a lot towards film and television. I am finding I have a a new love uh, for storytelling and um, acting. And um, I think it excites me. Um, Music excites me. I'm getting ready to do a show here at home in January. It's like one of my productions. Yes. Um, Yes. (laughs) Yeah, the promo looks fire. Yeah, I it. It looks dope. Yeah. Love the production. But um, I think that film and television excites me. Acting excites me. And um, I think learning to follow what excites you is, is, is a new phase of my life because I put so much time and effort into music, which I love. But I think music, 
I'm starting to feel like that was one piece of a bigger puzzle that I have yet to solve. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's where I'm at now. Uh, very much looking forward to that next phase of of my life. And it's actually going really well. So maybe this is the thing, but time will tell. Yes. I love that. So we've got we've got the film the film and TV projects coming up. We've got the show in January. Anything else you want to plug? You want to let people know about? You know, hey, just follow me online um, at Dapper Dan Midas everywhere, and um, you know you can you, you know just I'll keep you updated. Um, I ain't gonna make no promises. The only thing we can do is live our life. <laughs> That's true. That's so true. Yes, yes, yes. Amir, any closing thoughts for us? Um, trying to think if there's any, any closing thoughts I have. Um, let's continue to do what we're doing. Let's continue to take up space. Let's continue to have these conversations. Let's continue to shake the table. And let's continue to push back and challenge the norm. And let's continue to be as present as possible within ourselves. Yes, and let's and, all do a song together soon. Oh, that's happening. That's <laughs> happening. That's happening. That needs to happen ASAP. Yeah. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I really, I'm glad that we all got to connect today. And, and, and DDM, thank you for being so raw and vulnerable. And I, and the biggest thing I'm taking away from what you said is that, that part of the active rebellion really being us showcasing ourselves in those spaces. Cause you look at what made insecure work and what makes Abbott elementary work. And we're in this phase of people really wanting to see real authentic stories. And we got some real ass stories and experiences. So mm-hmm. let's encourage each other to share them. Let's uplift each other and let's keep talking. Yeah, absolutely. Excuse me while I take a few steps. Think he out like I was British. I ain't got time to hear the dumb shit. You can't stop my bag, bitch. You can't stop my bag. You can't stop my bag, bitch. You can't stop my bag. You can't stop my bag, bitch. You can't stop my bag. You can't stop my bag, bitch. You can't stop my bag. Thanks again for joining us today. As always, you can head over to our sites to show support, shoot us an email, or simply like and rate this episode. New episodes every Friday. Continue to dream big and catch y'all on the next chat.